What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number 35 of Through the Veil. I am your host, Alex Nelson, and today I have a very special guest. It is my friend, Jennifer Cortland. She is a entrepreneur owning a business called Creative Collective, which focuses on marketing, branding, and general coaching and uh, consulting around those areas. And she also has been putting out some super, super fucking fire content around masculine and feminine energy, both on TikTok and on Instagram. And that's how I first found her, through a mutual connection of my friend Claire, who shared a piece of her content. I watched some of it. I was like, yo, this is dope. I need her on the podcast. I reached out. Turned out she lived in Minnesota as well. So we actually got to do this one in person, live. And this episode was beyond amazing. This, I think, tops <laughs> my favorite episode of all all time. I think I say that almost every episode, but this one really is killer. And we went long. I think it's two and a half hours in its entirety. So buckle in, find yourself some good headphones and get ready to tap into this episode. We talk a ton about masculine feminine energy. We talk about dating, relationships, getting yourself into a place where you're healthy enough and ready enough for a relationship and sort of how to identify these different energies within yourself and how to think about them. So I hope you enjoy this one. If you do, you can give me a follow on Instagram at Alexandra Diesel. Of course, you can share this podcast episode. You can hit the subscribe button on whatever your podcast player of choice is and a review on itunes never hurts that helps spread the show as well you can check me out at my website www.throughtheveil.co and find all of my coaching and various different packages there and you can find all of jen's info in the show notes for how to contact her if you want to get in contact and uh, work with her so without any further ado let's jump into this monstrous amazing episode welcome thank you thank you for being here of course i'm so happy i'm here yeah if you can tell the audience a little bit about who you are what you do and whatever else feels most present for you yeah totally well i'm jennifer Cortland, and i own a branding business called creative collective um, we do typically um, personal and small business branding we also do small business cmo consulting as well um yeah it's it's been really fun. We launched in July of 2020. Mm. So, you know, what better thing to do in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> than launch a business? Um, but it was actually a really great experience. It kind of took the pressure off of a launch. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm a slight bit of a perfectionist, so mm. it kind of eased all of that for me. Um, yeah, and so, so that's what I do for, you know, uh, like, I guess most of my time. Um, but then I also kind of do relationship dating, you know, masculine, feminine discussions on TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, I started doing these types of conversations or holding space for these types of conversations on social media in like... February of this year, 2021. Um, 
And the only reason that I did it was because, you know, with my personal branding clients, I'm like, hey, you know, we need to get on video, get you on Reels, get on TikTok. And I was not doing any of that. And so I'm like, I'm going to, I had created a new Instagram, deleted my old one in 2020, created a new one in January or February of 2021. And I'm like, I'm just going to use my new account as like a case study for all of my personal branding clients and just show them how you can like have steady um, growth on these platforms. And so that's what got me talking on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and I, at first was like pretty nervous. I had no idea what I was going to talk about. And I was like, well, just talk about what you know. And so I just kind of started talking about relationships and it seems to have, uh, found its niche and it's taking off. So yeah, that's yeah. where, that's why I'm here today. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. That was what first drew me. One of my friends, Claire had shared a piece of your content talking about relationship dynamics. And I couldn't remember the exact piece of content. Yeah. But I listened and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's someone I want on my podcast. I love so, that. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Claire. Yeah. Thanks, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> She'll listen to this, too. It's the funny thing. She'll I love hear that. that back. Um, yeah, so there's a bunch of different directions we can go. I think the first direction I'd like to go would be what sort of drew you to talking about relationships, talking about masculine, feminine, energy dynamics. Like, what was that first interest level for you that brought you into that space yeah um you know honestly i've always been really keyed in to interpersonal relationship dynamics um hey you know it's funny my mom always says that like i came out and i just was like i had all, all this wisdom <laughs> i was like little and she was like i you just kind of looked around and we're like i guess this is what we're doing mm -hmm. <laughs> um i don't know i guess i've always kind of been in that emotional space and it's always come naturally to me um i went to school for um uh, to become a pastor actually mm -hmm. so that's my background i went to north central here in minneapolis mm -hmm. and um yeah, I was like, I'm either going to be a pastor or become a professor of theology. Mm. And I was kind of toggling back and forth between religious studies and theology or psychology. Mm. Um, and kind of like the deciding factor for me was like, you know, I asked myself, why, like, am I more interested in why people do what they do based on like who they are and who mm. they have been? Or why people do what they do based on who they want to be? And mm. that kind of like put me in the more theological space um but i i think i've always been interested in both so it's um yeah it's kind of it's had its own continual evolution um obviously i was in like the evangelical christian space mm -hmm. in college had to do my own journey of deconstruction with that mm -hmm. and then kind of entered the what you might call like the new age spiritual community i lived in san francisco for like nine years um, so that lended itself to that. Mm. Um, I've probably since like early twenties, I've been really into yoga, um, meditation, mindfulness. Um, so it, it's, you know, it's kind of this like hodgepodge of experiences that, have, that have lended itself to me being where I'm at and talking about masculine and feminine, um, and relationships and spirituality. Um, I feel like they all really 
go hand in hand. Mm. Um, so it's kind of hard to like segment yeah. one out of the, one from the other. But Absolutely. yeah, hopefully that answered the question. That really does. Okay. <laughs> it gives me just like something I'm so curious about, which is so I grew up Christian and okay. I sort of stepped away from that at a point in my life. Right. So if you'd like to share, what was that process like for you and what was sort of the process of maybe disidentifying with some parts of you know traditional Christianity and stepping into more spirituality as a broader category, I guess you could call it. Yeah, it's um so when I was in university, I was there for like four, five years. Um, there were a few things like key moments that took place for me. Um, <clears throat> I was so my like the first three years that I was there, I was very much like sipping the Kool-Aid, you know, like I was all about it, like a hundred percent. And just kind of like my last two years, a few things happened. Um, you know, one was we had, um, a couple of my friends were, I, I guess expelled, um, mm. because they either got pregnant or mm. they had an abortion mm. or, um, some people were outed. Um, or came out, um, and all of them were, you know, kicked out of the university. Right. Um, meanwhile, you know, guys that were on the worship team who got the girls pregnant, they were not. Totally yeah. <laughs> so that really rubbed me the wrong way, and it kind mm -hmm. of started the the process of me kind of like observing things from the outside in a little mm -hmm. bit more. Um, and, you know, I think for me personally, my experience of faith was kind of a way, my experience of like a very, creating Christianity for myself in a way that was very like rigid and structured mm. was um, subconscious, but also I think like intentional, you know, mm. like I grew up in a very like dysfunctional household. Mm. And my mom was the daughter of a Methodist, Methodist minister. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so she, you know, was also the rebellious daughter of a Methodist mm -hmm. minister. So a lot of the decisions that she made in her late teens and early 20s affected the rest of her life and affected, you know, our what our family looked like. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for me, I, I grew up seeing my mom's kind of like hot and cold relationship with the church and we kind of like bounced around to different churches and she always kind of had like um like a negative take on Christian communities mm -hmm. um and I was so looking for some semblance of like structure that I think that was my way of rebelling against my mom by becoming like very Christian yeah. at 16 mm -hmm. <laughs> and then my whole life from like 16 till I graduated North Central was church like Sunday Wednesday all my activities outside of those times everything I mean we had chapel every day at North Central too yeah. um <clears throat> so it was very much like when I was going through those last two years at North Central and then you know finally kind of culminating in my graduation like the lid on me was like so tight that mm -hmm. I like really easily like shifted into I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say for like 
after those couple years, or I mean, after I graduated North Central, I spent a couple years just doing what most people do in like their teens. You mm -hmm. know, like I was very much kind of like at a, a delayed arrival yeah. in my rebellion. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, but when I was at North Central, there was, you know, those couple instances and I was really struggling at the time with like the question of like homosexuality and Christianity mm -hmm. and, um, I remember, you know, I was dating a guy and I was talking to him about, you know, I'm going to do my thesis on homosexuality and Christianity. And he was like, it's a sin. And no, I was just true. like, what? <laughs> like, it just didn't, like, I was at a point to, and it's not that I was, I couldn't understand where he was coming from because right. I did, but I was also like really going through this time of like praying, like, like, God, is this a sin? Like, it just doesn't feel... Like, it was a very, like, intense time for me because mm. you're kind of pushing back against these structures of, like, mm. what you've been taught and, like, what you've, like, a truth that you've created for yourself. And it wasn't just about homosexuality. It was about so many different things. But this was kind of, like, a main thing my last year because I was writing my thesis. Keystone issue. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, you know, kind of watching my boyfriend at the time, his reaction and feeling um like isolated and then like also seeing how other people were being treated um i kind of just wanted to like not deal with it anymore so there was a couple years where i just tried i remember intentionally trying to be atheist <laughs> gonna do this I was like i'm gonna do this and then i'm like you're way too much of a like <laughs> idealist and like romantic or like yeah like i was like <laughs> no god just gonna live my life and yeah she's like okay fuck yeah <laughs> that's not working yeah i'm like you're praying every day so mm. this doesn't make sense <laughs> and then i was like okay cool well then i'll just be agnostic mm. and then it's like i'm i mean i'm just so like curious about everything that mm. it's like if there's an unanswered question in my mind mm. i like don't really rest until it's answered yeah. and so so that kind of worked for a little bit, but then it was just like, I, you know, moved to California and I started doing a lot of traveling as well. And I think that really assisted in my personal development in terms of just like understanding different cultures and how culture and religion and um, all of those things shift and like procure humans, you know, and, um, that was a really cool experience and then I kind of from there I was like well I, I think I felt a lot of pressure especially in like the bay to like not be Christian and be mm. more like new agey or and I don't want to say pressure but maybe it was just my own projection of what sure. like I felt the culture was like um but yeah I mean I think through all of those experiences, and, and you know, I'm like obviously summarizing this is like, you know, 10 plus years. Sure. <laughs> um, I, I was like, yeah, I mean, I feel like every time I pray, I'm praying to Jesus, God. Mm -hmm. And I just had to kind of accept that that's like my default. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, cool, I'm gonna accept that. But I also, it's funny, I was talking to a friend about this. I'm like, my take on Christianity is just so different than Christian. So it's like yeah. not even needs a new term. It does almost mm -hmm. like, and I, it, it's, it's one of those things where like, 
you have this kind of like foot in this faith but then you've also experienced all these other truths mm -hmm. and like not a lot of people can identify with that yeah. you know and so it kind of it kind of puts you in this like weird group where you're a little bit on an island but um but yeah i mean i i don't think i would have it any other way i mean yeah. obviously this is like what i created my reality to be so mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> i think this is like my niche mm -hmm. it's super <laughs> yeah. interesting i think something i observe really often in clients is that we have these structures of belief and especially at the age that you are experiencing your belief those structures actually support a lot of other parts of our life they're very yeah. like important pieces of the structure like a main pillar right and whenever anything and this could be with relationships this could be with anything whenever anything is serving a purpose that's core to how we conceive of ourselves as a human mm -hmm. it's really easy to ignore anything in that belief or structure that is like wait a second yeah what's going on with that because yeah. if you were to question that your subconscious knows the moment we start questioning that i gotta question fucking everything, everything. about who i am yeah. and that's yeah. painful and difficult totally and i think also it's like a big part of that is like obviously like the interpersonal belief structure but also how it affects our connection to community mm -hmm. so so many times our beliefs whether they are you know religious or political or ideological or mm -hmm. what have you um, if we start questioning anything that lends itself to our inclusion in a community mm -hmm. um, we risk losing our place in said community yeah. and that I think is even scarier than like mm -hmm. the internal wonderment you yeah. know because um, I mean that was definitely like the hardest part of like what you know Christians said I was mm -hmm. like not a Christian anymore or, like you know pe even some people in my family are like oh you're going to hell or yeah. all of these things and mm -hmm. I just was like wow that's so weird it's weird to be on the other side of it because mm -hmm. I know how you're feeling, but I'm also like, that's not what's happening there. Yeah. But I also get it why you think that, but it's just, yeah. it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's so, you know, I'm of the belief that whether someone is Christian or Muslim or Buddhist or name it, or chooses to be an atheist, I've not yet met the person who's not religious. Right. It's just a question of what is your religion. So right. that could be political ideology. That's oh. very in the zeitgeist right now. Yeah. That could be the way you deal with your friends and family. There are many different things that people become religious about because I believe yeah. it's a core human urge right. for religion, something to base your identity off of. So what's interesting to me is sort of the integration because I, I view most religions as these distillations over time of great truths and then humans pattern a bunch of bullshit on top of that right. and go well okay dot 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 no gay people I'm like right, right, right. i'm not following your logic right. here that doesn't make any sense to me um, Truly. and when you can view them that way and you take that step back and you go okay well it's not that 
you throw the whole fucking Bible out because some people are interpreting it shittily. Right. You can still go, oh, there's some solid spiritual truths in here. Right. But it's expanding that view out to go, oh, and there's probably some over here. And right. there's probably some over here, too. Totally. Yeah, and then you can start to identify as the person who is, like, you know, a core piece of my ethos or identity is someone who is open to new information and is always learning. Yes. And when you start to have that identity as the core piece of your religion, yeah. if you will, it's much more flexible. And For things sure. don't break your worldview. Yes. Like the experience you had where it's like, yeah, we kicked out the gay people. You're like, oh, that's shattering my worldview. Right. Fuck. <laughs> that's not good. Totally. Yeah. I think that is a really great way to put it. I mean, like, living a life of curiosity versus, like, being married to a couple sets of truth you know i think that definitely allows for more freedom of just the human experience okay. for sure yeah Absolutely. i love that so what's your spiritual practice look like now like if you had to identify the couple main pieces that you're like this is what fills my cup what would those be um i mean i have like many traditions that mm -hmm. i do that are kind of i guess I guess you could say they're like religious in nature. Mm. I mean, like I wake up every day and I mean, I would say, you know, five, six days a week, mm. um, wake up every day. I do my mantras. I journal. Um, lately I've been really into, uh, like work, like entrepreneurial mantras. Mm. Um, mm. So that's been really cool to see how that kind of plays out. Yeah. Um, I am kind of the way that like my brain processes information is like, I need to see it written down. Mm. So I have like really big slabs of like, you know, those like big post-its. Mm. So I'll like write my prayers mm. and stuff on that. And it kind of, like, puts my mind, like, it's, like, well, first of all, I'm a really sloppy writer, so it helps me, <laughs> like, organize my thoughts yeah. a little bit. But it also kind of gives me perspective on it being not something that I, like, put away in a drawer. Mm -hmm. It's, like, on my wall. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's kind of, like, my morning jam. Um, I get a little movement in, um, like, not... Uh, I get movement and that's like not results driven right. you know like it's either like dancing or yoga or like nothing that's like strenuous and mm -hmm. just kind of like needing to like move my chi around um, and yeah I mean it, it kind of comes in waves I used to be very rigid mm -hmm. and I can and that's kind of like my default is to be like really structured with stuff right and so I try with my spirituality or like spiritual practices to catch myself before I get there because it can be very easy for me to be like, okay, now you need to wake up at this time and do da 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 da. And like, I used to, I like, I went through, you know, a whole season of like waking up at 4 a.m. because mm. I was like, all these like, like the best minds in the world wake yeah. up at 4 and, you know, had this like very rigid morning experience. And it was great for the season, mm. but then I was like, okay, but you also need to like have fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. and so that's like probably my biggest lesson, like recurring lesson in life is like always reminding myself that I need to like go have fun. But, um, 
Yeah, more like play, not like, you know, have like crazy, like nothing with like, you know, out of pocket shit. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, just like having more, being more, being more childlike, I guess. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's yeah. something I think it's so important. Like spirituality in general, whatever people frame it as, and you know, physical movements, absolutely spiritual. I think people forget that, but like, that's such a core piece of my practice as yeah. well. But the moment you rob it of the joy, then it's no longer magical. Yes, and, and it then it needs it's to be magical. Totally, yeah. And I mean, like, I guess that that's a great word for it, like spiritual magical. I mean, because it's you know, kind of with my background, I'm like, oh, spiritual practice means. You read the Bible, mm -hmm. like, four chapters a day or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of your, it's like a very rigid experience and there isn't much joy in it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think too, you know, for me, it's kind of like, I'm always having this internal dialogue. So it's like, it's me talking to myself, but it's also me talking to my higher self, me mm -hmm. talking to God, like, all combined. Like, it's this kind of, I think the moment when I, the moments when I go on like autopilot, mm. I'm probably, that's probably me not like in that like intentionally spiritual quote unquote yeah. space. But I feel like everything is spiritual mm. if you bring like consciousness to it. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of a long answer. Yeah. But yeah. No, that's perfect. <laughs> It's just something that's always a curiosity to me because right. everyone has such different practices, but the threads that connect them are often very similar. They're right. Practices <laughs> of presence, whether that's presence in your body, presence for your thoughts as you put them on yeah. the paper, just literal presence as people meditate. Right. So it's, uh, it's good for people to hear, too, because something I really try to coach on is that it doesn't need to be my way exactly. It's like figure out the shit that works for you, mm -hmm. for your spirituality, and do that. Right. Because I'm much more interested in what you enjoy doing. Yes. What fills you up right. rather than where I think many religions fall short, which is like it's this way and this yeah, is it. Yep. And if totally. you're not doing this, pass fail. Like, right. You're going to hell. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of fear. Yeah. yeah. Shit. <laughs> Fear energy. I hear that's real. really high vibrational. We'll just rock with that for a long time. For real. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. This is mm -hmm. a pet topic of mine that I'm just so curious about and yeah. love learning about. So we can approach this a couple different ways, but maybe as a first jumping off point, what do you think... You know, when you see when you see a coaching client or when you see just friends or family, what do you think are some of the key issues or roadblocks that you experience in their experience of their connection to their own energies and also their understanding of the energies of other people in their life? Like what are the things where you're like, Oh, that keeps coming up. That happens all the time. <laughs> um you know, it's a very interesting thing for me. My experience with <clears throat> with people is that I can, like, meet someone once and I know exactly where they're at in their spiritual journey and kind of where they're at in their, like, masculine, feminine energy mm. and what they need to do to mm. shift. Like, and that kind of just downloads for me just, like, almost immediately. Yeah. Um, I would say 
anytime you put it into words, people have resistance to it. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> anytime you identify it, especially when someone is like not in a very conscious place, um, there's going to be resistance, you know? Um, and that's something that I learned the hard way for sure. Um, that not everyone wants to know, <laughs> which it, you know, was really hard for me to, wrap my mind around because I was like, oh, I have information that can be beneficial to you. Right. Why wouldn't you want that? You know? Um, I run into the same problem. Yeah. Like, in a ceremony. Like, oh, I've got a vision of something that this person needs to know. And just realizing, like, it can be both true and important and not the right time to share it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Timing is everything. Um, you know, I think... I think I have really learned, like, it's, like, I've learned to identify when doors are open or closed. I used to just kind of, like, break them down. Like, here's something that's, like, really vital to you and your journey of humanity. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I think I've been able to accept more, like, oh, that that is an, a closed energetic door. Right. So um, that's been really beneficial in, like, just helping me protect my own energy. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, in terms of like with clients, you know, I'm very, so it, yeah, in saying that kind of the way that I approach clients now or, or friends when they ask advice is mm -hmm. like, I know exactly what you need to do, but do you want to hear it? Yeah. <laughs> or do you want to do it? Like, those are like the two questions that I ask mm -hmm. because it's like, I, I like it just really depends on like your level of engagement with whatever I say um I mean I'm you know I'm a Capricorn so I'm very much like father energy with my coaching I'm very mm -hmm. like this is the structure this is how we're doing it um I'm very like homework based action based um so I think that that also attracts a lot of like feminine energy or people that want to get into their feminine energy because yeah. they feel safe with me along that process um, you know, one thing for me, when I was doing like the more like new age, when I started that journey, I worked with a lot of mentors and teachers that, you know, I felt, um, when I first started working with them, like, oh, I had them on this like pedestal, oh. like they're so wise and they know so much and like, how do they know so much? And then I would continually after like you know three to six months of working with them get frustrated because I felt like I didn't really have like the um the the work was never like anchored for me mm -hmm. like it just didn't make sense in mm -hmm. like a really tangible way you saw behind the veil in here yeah hmm. <laughs> and then I realized like it kind I mean I'm so grateful for those experiences because it showed me that like in teaching I need to like go all the way back to square one. Mm -hmm. Like my teachers were kind of like, you know, way up here and they've been in that space for so long that like, like I was coming from here and yeah. I had no idea what they did and they didn't really know how to communicate mm -hmm. how they got there. Um, and so I was like, I want to be able to like break it down like mm -hmm. so simply. And that's kind of, you know, I, I, f I feel like who said this like if you can't explain it simply you don't know understand it well enough yeah. mm -hmm. and that's kind of like how I that's like my mantra with like yeah. anything that I 
that I do or teach, um, I and and it's a good check for yourself too. Like, oh, I, if I can't really like break this down, like I need to go study it more yeah. or like experience it more. Um, but yeah, I mean, like in terms of like seeing where people are at. Um, yeah, it's different for everyone, obviously. I think, you know, specifically with women, it's a really interesting conversation that a lot of women are wanting to have right now about, like, entering their feminine, um, which I... It's a such a big conversation, and I see it mostly with, like, this kind of, like, pop culture referencing around it, mm. specifically within, like, the dating coach community. Mm. <clears throat> And, you know, for me, I was seeing it so much like, oh, men want to be needed. Like the like masculine men, they want to be needed. Yeah. So like you got to be like, oh, my gosh, damsel in distress kind of vibe. Uh -huh. And I was like, that's just not that's not it, you know, because yeah, like no. feminine energy is not like weak. It's not powerless. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a self it's a source of creation within itself. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know. So just to say that it needs to develop a handicap in order for the masculine to feel needed, it does both a disservice because, you know, it hinders the feminine from entering full abundance yeah. while also hindering the masculine from experiencing, you know, true freedom. Right. And so it's kind of this, like, understanding, like, what fuels both and then allowing them to exist next to one another mm -hmm. versus, like, carving out chunks of each other or each one in order to like create like a, a puzzle yeah you know absolutely. yeah it's so uh it's something i see so often as people are trying to discern their energy and maybe as an aside for the audience and you can tell me if you agree with this or not but the way i view it is that every man or woman has masculine and feminine energy within them, and it's in different proportions. Mm -hmm. So a certain man might be 80% masculine, 20% feminine, and so his ideal energetic match in a woman would be the exact opposite of that, 80-20 right. feminine. Right. There are also men who are 20% masculine, 80% feminine. Right. And, you know, that creates differences in the way people show up. So as I talk about energy, often I don't... Uh, I let people know, like, if you're a man listening to this and you feel like you're just so in your feminine energy, like, first do the work to analyze if that's really true. Mm -hmm. But I have met men who truly are just very feminine. Right. That's a piece of their being. And right. that's totally fine. Right. Just identifying that proper match. Um, the image that comes to me that I found the most useful is, because you're totally right, like, there's this weird dynamic of men want to be needed and that like I get what they're getting at mm -hmm. but it does not encompass it's, it's like not a good roadmap of what we're right. fucking aiming at right the image that always comes to my mind is you know very archetypally like the man is the mountain and mm -hmm. the woman is the ocean yeah and what the man wants at his core is to be just washed over mm. and just like encompassed but not for forever wash over and then the tide is yeah in. that's a great and metaphor i love that yeah it, it just helps me to think about it internally because there is that sense of like well i want to be needed i want to be loved i want to be encompassed yeah but i don't always want right that. and you want to avoid that sort of mothering energy of like 
well, I'm not standing on my own two feet because you're needing me all the time. So right? I've got my importance because you need me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, that's so interesting. I, I love that metaphor. I think of it a lot of times as like the masculine is the ship, feminine is the sea. Um, I feel like the sea analogy is really great for mm -hmm. the feminine. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's kind of like if you get into like more sacred geometry stuff, it's mm -hmm. like the feminine is, you know, the flower of life and, you know, the masculine is um, Metatron's cube. And so it's kind of like that, the structure within the feminine that creates the space that the feminine can kind of like exist around. It's the idea of like this conversation of like the masculine needs to feel needed. It's, it's like you're the basis of everything is that the masculine is needed. Mm -hmm. The feminine is needed. Like that's, yeah. it is neat. They're both needed. They're intrinsic parts of humanity. And so, and energy, you know? And so, um, that's already the foundation. So it's kind of like regressive to like try to right. reiterate that point again. Um, so it's like, it's more about like, you know, in terms of how, you know, you were saying like each individual, maybe they have like 80%, 20%. Mm -hmm. I, I view it more as like a lava lamp, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like it kind of changes forms and based on like who you're around and like what the situation at hand is, you might like enter and flow into more and less. And I think that's what creates really solid relationships mm -hmm. is when you kind of have that like give and take and it can, because it's like this idea of um, like, let's say you're quote unquote a masculine energy male mm -hmm. and then a feminine energy female. And you're as the masculine male, the provider, you're always like the strong silent type. Mm -hmm. um, you're the guy that fixes shit, like all of those things. And then the feminine is just kind of like, you know, doing more like quote unquote culturally female activities right. within the home but like if the masculine male loses his job or loses a leg or like people in his life die like the this you know energy over here needs to be able to enter their masculine right. in order to support you know and it's kind of this um <clears throat> and even not when things aren't like that dramatic but mm -hmm. that's just like a really obvious like example of like how we each every day kind of like feed off each other's energy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like we don't exist in a void, right. you know what I mean? No. So it's like, we, we're kind of always like recalibrating mm -hmm. around new people and, and then throughout the process of like a relationship growing, whether it's romantic or otherwise, we, those, that energy kind of always shifts back and forth and then like within ourselves recalibrates. So yeah. yeah. It's really interesting, I think, the way I view it, we're mostly in alignment on that. The way I view it is, like, most people have an energy that feels best to them. And for many men I work with, you know, I would consider myself 70% masculine, 30% feminine. Yeah. But I'm pretty fucking in touch with my feminine side, so I'm totally okay with, like, I had a great cry yesterday for like 20 minutes right it's like this is a good time to cry right I feel overwhelmed by these three things going on right. let's just let that out right and so in the individual who has both of them 
fully embodied, there is that ability to slide in between them and to not feel any type of guilt or like, oh, I'm being wrong for doing this. But, yeah. you know, if I analyze my life, 70% of the time I'm in this energy and that feels very good to me. And then 30% of the time I flow into this energy. Yeah. Um, another really, this is a thought I've had that's, I've had a few times, but what I see a lot is people are, they're trying to fill a societal hole with a specific person. Mm -hmm. And so people have this need for community because you would have these 10 people who fill different roles for your life, whether that's the listening ear that like, especially men, I see this a lot, where like they have no one to talk to except for their wife or their girlfriend. Yeah. So their wife or girlfriend receives every fucking emotion that they mm -hmm. have with no clarity and just like, yeah, yeah. It's like it's just a dump. Like, here you go, <laughs> enjoy, do what you will with it. Um, because most men are so lacking in that community and those other structures. So yeah. a lot of people, they feel this need. It's like, I don't feel met, like I need to be needed. And mm -hmm. it's like, you are needed, but you need to create the structures around you so that you're sourcing a little bit of how you feel import from the community at large. Because this yes. is how it would have existed tribally long ago right right like, well you're the hunter so you hunt and right. that's why you're fucking dope like, right everyone totally. loves you because of that like right. that's amazing right so. totally yeah it's um it's an interesting thing when we kind of have these n needs specifically the, the the need to feel needed because mm -hmm. that it's probably one of the most dangerous things you know that the ego does it kind of mm -hmm. makes like tricks us into believing that that's like a necessary part of our journey yeah. but in reality the what's on the flip of that is that we realize that we aren't needed at all yeah. you know like our existence it's here it's right. it's great and it's awesome but it life would go on without us yeah, and sure. i think when you know i just i i talked the other day in a post about like what would happen to you know the concept of marriage or how we view marriage if we each really actively confronted our fear of ending up alone mm -hmm. you know because we all end up alone right. we all die alone yeah. we we're all born alone and i think it's really funny when kind of specifically men you know on uh TikTok yeah. because it's not like i don't have like a setting where i can't like have everybody comment on my post <laughs> it's uh, the thing i get a lot is oh you're just gonna die alone and i'm like you must think that scares me like <laughs> you and me both <laughs> yeah we're gonna die alone um newsflash yeah. like um and and it shows a lot about kind of like where men have you know i really try to steer clear of like language like patriarchy and misogyny yeah. just because it's so overused that like and it sure. puts men on such a defense that they right. just stop listening um but i do think there's like truth in in those conversations mm -hmm. in terms of like you know and i i think this conversation of masculine and feminine is really important to have because in saying that the feminine needs to create a handicap for the masculine to feel needed is to reiterate the patriarchy exactly. <laughs> and i don't think that like you know and even in saying that sentence there's going to be people that just kind of like turn off you know and it's and it's sad but it's like you can kind of see both and like um i think that we really need to do better about 
really being able to identify when things are just feel comfortable because it's how mm -hmm. we've done them versus like really wanting to like understand and create a new reality for ourselves as individuals and then collectively as a whole you Absolutely. know yeah what i view it as the terminology that gives me the most footholds when i work yeah. with people is divine masculine shadow masculine because mm -hmm. that i think gives people an easier thing to understand of course every man and woman contains those as well yeah as well as you know shadow feminine divine feminine right and why i like that phrasing is because it helps people understand like the shadow masculine is the controlling mm -hmm. that's the i need to have everything exactly so because then i feel important yeah divine masculine's oriented towards service like yeah. how can i help and love those around me in the yeah. best way for them not for me right and the, that split of terminology helps people understand in any specific instance because like the patriarchy hurts both men and women mm -hmm. and most men who are in this controlling circumstance don't actually feel good mm -hmm. they're feeling a lot of other emotions but not good right and so giving them that inroads to understand like you grew up in a culture where you just kind of were told this is how it is right and so in that sense it's not your fault but right. it is your responsibility to now work on that to embody that more service oriented piece of like how can i show up for others how can i show up to love them better to see them better to be there for them better right and it's a really beautiful thing when you see any man make that switch because all of a sudden like it's like a key to a lock there totally oh, oh shit yeah, just kind of this like exhale, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, it's it's funny because like, I did this like kind of diagram of, you know, feminine energy. And I, I feel that like, it's a very interesting thing because when you kind of like overlay the masculine on top of that, um, they become different when they're the mo when they're in their like abundance, mm. you know. But when they're in their like shadow, toxic shadow, mm -hmm. is what I called it on this diagram. Um, they look very similar, mm. and it's this really interesting energy because you will look at a woman in her toxic feminine, and she will read masculine, yeah. and then you'll look at a man in his toxic masculine, and to me it reads very feminine, mm. but it. Um, it actually, in in terms of our society, seems quote unquote masculine, I right. guess. But like you know, just kind of like the the need to be seen or known or like it just reads very feminine. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, it's such a big conversation. But like, I think the difference in like the toxic masculine and toxic feminine. The only difference that I really see is that like toxic masculine, because it is still about the structure. Mm -hmm and toxic feminine is like more on a like emotional experience kind of like fluid um toxic masculine is our structures hmm. so like even family structures mm -hmm. you know political structures um that's kind of it's kind of how the patriarchy quote unquote can exist because right. it's quite literally a structure yeah. where like toxic feminine is like the nuance that goes on in yeah. those structures to maintain the structure yeah. like all of the manipulation tactics everything all of the like kind of like you know 
um, just like low key shadiness, like mm-hmm. all of that. Um, but they're both manipulative, right. you know, and they're both like about to control, but it's kind of like this difference of like what's taking place. You'll, yeah. you'll see a lot of like toxic feminine behavior is more like that, like interpersonal kind of dynamic. Um, and yeah, toxic masculine, I feel like you see it in the family mm-hmm. a lot or in like relationships where men will kind of like create like different power dynamics yeah. but yeah it's it's a big combo i wish i had a whiteboard yeah it's like one thing i see a lot and one of the biggest disservices our society has done to women is it creates a standard of toxic masculine is the way to succeed mm-hmm. and so i see a lot of women putting that on as a mantle going well my only way to excel in my career is to put on oh that toxic gosh. masculine yes and then they're just like so unhappy yeah. <laughs> i am wanting this is going to be the next thing that i'm talking about actually um because i am like i never had a female boss that i liked mm-hmm. it was always hell on earth working for women and it pains me to say that mm-hmm. it's like just um but it's true mm-hmm. you know and the thing that I, and this was like a huge reason why I wanted to start Creative Collective, Creative Collective. Um, I wanted it to be, you know, female owned and operated, and I wanted to create a different reality for women working in that space and for what it means to have a female boss and what it means to be, you know, a woman working in a creative or corporate field like what does that feel like and how can i make that different um yeah i mean like the the thing that i noticed the most when i was working in in tech in san francisco was um there was so like guys have this like when they see a younger guy come in they're they're very much like, oh, he reminds me of when I was younger. I'm going to take him under my wing Mm -hmm. and teach him everything I know. Mm. And women are the total opposite. Mm. It's very territorial. It's, oh, she reminds me of me when I was younger. Fuck, I'm not young anymore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And this whole kind of like energy around it is very territorial Mm. um, and gatekeeping Mm. and um, non-inclusive. And... I very much believe that, like, the majority of the glass ceiling that women experience in the workplace is held and gate- gatekeeped by other women. Mm. And and that's from my personal experience mm. of, like, working with female bosses. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting, sad reality. Um, and it needs to be talked about. And, you know, one of my passions is, like, helping women... And I, and I, we're kind of like working on this right now, but helping women who are either wanting to be in corporate, like high level positions mm-hmm. or start their own companies, you know, enter the entrepreneurial path, helping them remain in their healthy feminine, mm-hmm. um, while doing those things. And, you know, I think the key thing for, you know, women in terms of like, I get asked a question all the time, how do I get to my healthy light, my healthy yeah. light, my healthy light? And I'm like, you know, it's, uh, you're not going to like the answer. You're going to be really fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. Are you ready? <laughs> um, first, you have to accept fully where you are mm. and, and, and not try to change it. 
<laughs> and I think like a lot of you know women especially if they're in like their kind of like masculine energy they're like give me to do's and I'm mm -hmm. like okay accept just accept and let it be and then you can kind of from there you soften yeah. you know and you're like and I think that's so much of um when you see women entering their masculine specifically as they get older you can really see the difference of women who are in their feminine and in their masculine mm -hmm. like quite literally as they age um and you know obviously like outside of like any beauty stuff because like even women that have all the resources mm -hmm. you can tell when they're like energetically yeah. in their masculine as they get older um the core difference is that one is accepting reality mm. and life and time and death and the other is not yeah and that is truly like the essence of the feminine energy i think it's just allowing what comes to come allowing mm. what goes to go and then you know allowing the soil to continually be renewed so there's like always freshness and growth mm. happening even in within loss you mm. know and i think that you know when women try to like avoid that Whenever you try to avoid any portion of reality, you mm -hmm. have to manipulate something, yeah. you know? So that is kind of just like a dark, heavy energy manipulation. Mm -hmm. So it's, it kind of, you can see it in people's bodies and faces. And yeah, yeah. it's an interesting thing. This is amazing. This is fitting pieces together for yeah. me. So I get like fucking excited about yeah. that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think what I've witnessed is anyone when they are trying on a mask of a different energy causes an extreme amount of insecurity. Mm -hmm. And so what I've seen is when I've had some female bosses in my life and it's like, it's not that they're even bad like bosses tactically, but there's that insecurity because it's not their truest energy. Mm. It's a mask of the other energy. And right. so there's always this fear of, being found out right and i yeah. can imagine that then that gets projected onto a younger woman of right. like oh she is gonna be the one who's most able to see me truly right uh-oh right that's no good oh that's such a good observation yeah that's that's very true um that's really spot on yeah and i think you know it's um it's it's a it's an interesting thing i i, I definitely feel for women that like went into these fields specifically in like the 90s and 2000s or even like 80s because yeah. um, it's all like so new you know um, they were really like the first in their field yeah. um, but I think that it's at a point now where it's like okay but we need to have this conversation about mm -hmm. how to do it differently because it's not just about like women in the workplace it's about like how do we create healthy homes so that people have are like the the children within those homes are able to then focus on getting a great education and then going and creating something of abundance to contribute to the world mm -hmm. you know and it's like we kind of we're so good at compartmentalizing our experience specifically in the west without like really seeing the big mm -hmm. picture and um you know i think there's you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I think a lot of guys right now are having this conversation about, oh, like when a woman comes home, like I want a bad bitch. But then when she comes home, like she needs to be like 
interplays. Like, yeah. it's just kind of like, okay. <laughs> the idea of taming that I have a lot of problems with. Like, I want someone that I tamed. And on both, you know, both directions. Yes. I, it's both sides. It's so interesting. I mean, like, and even women that are very, he need, like, he needs to finance my life. Like this whole like idea, like, and you see it in, in, in all across the board from in both men and women, but just to different extents, you yeah. know? Um, and kind of like to a lesser degree, the more conscious somebody is, but um, there's so much to unpack in terms of like what we expect from a partner based on like mm. our culture, you yeah. know? And um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I think they're kind of going back to what we were talking about in terms of like women in the workforce, like being in their feminine. Um, I think it is important to have that conversation because I, I do understand where men are coming from when they're like hesitant to date a successful woman mm -hmm. or, um, you know, I, I think, you know, for me personally, I've encountered guys that are very, um, they like want to prove so much like mm. right away that it's like, ugh, like it's a little like <laughs> too much off the get. And mm -hmm. so um, it's kind of this like, or guys are just like, whoa, she, uh, she's like not going to be into me because I had like whatever the internal dialogue yeah. is happening there. So it's kind of this like, um, men are in this like weird space energetically just because it's like a growing season yeah. you know I, I really feel like it's like that time in life or in in culture where we're like having this awakening and men are really not sure what their place is mm -hmm. and so you kind of see like a lot of men maybe feeling a little lost or really digging their heels into like this old yeah. mindset like they're losing something yeah yeah like I need she needs to be all about me or she mm. needs to have a low body count or she needs to da, da 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 and it's like nothing about them yeah but what a, who are you right. but who are you like right. <laughs> um and not just like monetarily but like who are what's your heart your mind your spirit like yeah. what who are you like and then i see these a uh, this a lot there's a lot of qualifiers for the the feminine mm. and the men or the masculine is just kind of sitting there like with like yeah, you know them. checking it, it, it's like it doesn't really add up but then it's funny too because like I'm also kind of seeing that in this younger generation of women it feels really masculine to me mm. when girls are like he needs to buy me this and like pay for that mm. and I like these kinds of things and, and you're just kind of like that just reads like very kind of like a heavy masculine energy because yeah. it's like anytime we have like these qualifiers it's manipulative right yeah. instead of just allowing and accepting what is to come um obviously like with healthy boundaries but like this kind of this kind of idea that like you won't even engage with anyone that can't like meet these this like kind of like random abstract list that you've created yeah i think yeah. it's like the nuance and everything it's so important to have an idea of what your true disqualifiers are because yeah. there are they do exist right but then the flexibility to accept that unless you believe that you are a completed project you shouldn't expect that someone arrives to you as a completed project yes and so that flexibility to go like and you know for me speaking personally like what i care about is like 
are you committed to being true to your fucking essence, right. whatever that is? Because right. I know I can trust that. Right. I, yes. I can't trust, and where I think many men struggle with, like very successful women, is I, I'm very blessed to know many quite successful women who are in their healed feminine. Yeah. And so I've seen the other side of him, like, that's the fucking coolest thing ever. Right. Look at that shit. Right, totally. Most men don't have that experience, so they only have experience with that, like, commandeering energy yeah and then they get very scared of that but i find back to the concept of taming like i want someone in their wildest essence who's the truest themselves because that means that i'm that person too to right. hold a partner like that right and if i'm aiming at my highest self and my best self why would i want a partner who's weak or easily bowled over and like someone can be deeply in their feminine and not be fucking weak at all like totally one of the disservices our society has done is undersold men have undersold women on the power of their feminine yes and so that's why the need to step into the masculine to succeed but it's like we just accepted all of the beautiful gifts that are slightly different but yeah. equally fucking powerful. Yes. <laughs> then we end up with integrated workforces where more is actually brought to the table. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, women are, you know, it, it hurts both men and women, like you said earlier, but it's this kind of like gatekeeping, gatekeeping behavior that men have of like, that this is what a feminine woman does when it's so underwhelming to like the potential of the feminine that like even in just terms of like the focusing on like creating rules around like the feminine sexuality or the feminine emotional experience like the encompassing of all of it mm -hmm. is where the feminine has the most freedom and I think people are very I think men that are in their feminine or in their toxic masculine which can kind of read the same sometimes mm. um they they really have a, a lot of fear around mm. a fully developed feminine energy individual or a healed feminine energy um it's a power that i don't think and you know power is just a triggering word for so many people but it's a potential of abundance that um I think is very intimidating for a lot of people women as well I mean there's times when you know I'm like holy shit like that's like scary I could do like all of these things mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of like the fear is what creates the desire to control it mm. um, yeah so it's it's a it's an interesting thing yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> one last thought and then we'll we'll do a quick bookmark for yeah. a bathroom break I think looking at my own experience i tend to date women who at least have their feminine developed not yeah. necessarily fully healed but right. what that means is i date a lot of women who are incredibly intuitive yeah and if you haven't worked on your shit as a man that's really painful because it's a big old fucking mirror oh yeah and so some of <laughs> some of the shit that i've seen in both oh myself my where i'm like oh ow yeah you're right <laughs> That fucking hurts, though. That was, yeah, that was a soft spot. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> many men have that experience, and then they just retract. Like, oh, 
I'm not ready to look at that part of myself yet. Totally. That's scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, we can get into that more after <laughs> <Absolutely>. our break. <laughs> Perfect. I have so many things to say on that. <laughs> so, we're back. Yes. So we had, we had just bookmarked at men feeling intimidated by women who are very in their feminine and having a ton of intuition. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a very interesting thing that's probably like, like hearing you say that, I was like, that's probably the key indicator of a woman in her healthy feminine. You know, the closer she is to her intuition, um, the more, or the more healed she is, the closer to her intuition she'll become and the more internal internal her world will become. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that even I've experienced since exiting my last relationship. You know, we were talking about that briefly before we started the podcast and um, my intuition is like, it's, I've always had strong intuition, but it's like on this whole other level at this point where um, I literally like, like I can't really even date because it's like <laughs> the I just kind of know like yeah. right away as soon as I like meet someone like <laughs> intuition can you take a break yeah or, like <laughs> can I have one fun night could I just, just like... have like some margaritas yeah. like <laughs> um yeah I mean it's a very it's a very interesting thing like I I went on a date with this guy like we met up and it was uh as soon as I met him I was like no like my intuition was like and not even like anything like about him his attraction or level yeah. or anything like that it was just like my like there was like a very dark mm. spiritual energy around him mm. and i was like i have to get out of here yeah. like <laughs> like go. immediately <laughs> yeah um and i feel like that's like a very interesting thing even with like online dating like i don't make like I'm on Raya and I like don't really make that many matches because I can just see people's energy yeah, like in their yeah. eyes like it's you can just really it's it's an it's a very interesting thing it's not super fun not, not the best thing ever <laughs> not, not the most it fun kind of is also right yeah because then it's like the people that I do have in my life I very much trust and enjoy mm -hmm. but it's very few people right you know, that are actually, like, on my same level or, like, can understand where I'm at. Um, and then, you know, if you add, like, any kind of, like, romantic interest on that, it's even fewer. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, I, I think, you know, men, it's an interesting thing. You know, the, I think men are severely lacking encouragement, like you were just saying. Um, and when you date or are in relationship with a very intuitive woman, it can be, you realize, yeah. <laughs> you can realize like, oh, I said that I wanted this, but actually, <laughs> oh, <shit>. yeah. <laughs> Here we are. It's like too much almost that like, I think a lot of guys are used to encouragement from men or like that level of like superficial encouragement. And then when they get into relationship with an intuitive woman, it can almost feel like overload, yeah. you know? So, um, and I think a lot of times that's like, that can be what happens. You know, I'm not a huge fan of like giving guys passes when they like 
ghost girls or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're like an intuitive woman that like happens to you, mm-hmm. like for me, that's happened and I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, I understand. Yeah. Like they're just, it's kind of like you're on a different level mm-hmm. or a different level of vibration and like they really like unconscious or men that like aren't really on that same wavelength, mm-hmm. they can become very triggered by that, that feeling of being seen. And um, even though that's what they want, it's like, well, like too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the well, two metaphors, the first one being, I think when two people meet, especially in a romantic context, their souls also meet. Yeah. And for a very intuitive woman, she's actually in deep connection to her soul or her higher self or whatever terminology works best right. for people. And for an unconscious man, he's not in connection with that. So what happens is the woman is sort of the mouthpiece for her soul. Mm -hmm. And the man's soul is actually also in contact, you know, above here, if you want to imagine. Right. But it's freaked out because it's not ready to see itself. So even if the man doesn't consciously know why it's a no, this is part of it. Yeah. The second thing that, you know, occurred to me back to the mountain and the ocean metaphor is that one of the things reasons archetypally the ocean has been feminine is because it's completely interconnected Mm. you can't be in any part of it and not simultaneously be in all of it Mm. and so that's from where the intuition arises the reason that men have difficulty understanding that is because the mountain is much more about observing Mm -hmm. post game and deciding yeah so it's like having that watchtower where you're looking around like, okay, so that happened, that happened, that happened. So therefore, <laughs> we'll do this. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so like the energies are so different. Yeah. But if a man's in his healed masculine, he can love and respect the separate energy. Go, wow, that's yeah. a fucking superpower. That actually helps complement my superpower. Not complete, but helps complement it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh... It, that's that's such an accurate read so after my my ex-boyfriend and I we broke up in October of last year and we dated for like two and a half three years or something like that um and I met someone like right after and we like and I still kind of I think that that was like a twin flame kind of thing um it But it was a very interesting experience because it was like I had spent, I had just come out of spending so much time with this one person that Mm. I truly did love, um, but they treated me very poorly Mm. and it was very emotionally um, not fulfilling. And then to go into this relationship that was kind of like um, all of those like emotional experiences you wish you had had with Mm -hmm. someone over a long period of time were like consolidated down into this like very short amount of time and (laughs) and um the the that dynamic was so interesting for me because i was like very much in my like in tune feminine energy Mm. Um, obviously I was like coming off of a breakup, Mm -hmm. but you know, for me, I had already broken up with my ex Mm -hmm. like six months before and it was just kind of like the logistics of everything. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, the, 
this new person, um, they were definitely like a very strong masculine energy and like they, the, the play by play, like the post post play recap you were just talking about is just so accurate because my kind of the way that the relationship played out was I was like very emotionally and spiritually present in it and I you know I'm kind of this like interesting person to date because I also get like dreams and stuff like I know what's Whoa. going on yeah <laughs> so like you can't really, there's not really any, like, secrets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, and I also have this, like, very strong intuition. And so, the you know, just kind of, like, relaying this information to this person, they were just very, like, oh, like, <laughs> and then kind of they, the, they, like, ended it abruptly. Mm -hmm. And it was very much like a post-play recap well this happened then and this happened then so logically i just feel like da 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 mm -hmm. and in my mind it was like such a shock because it was mm -hmm. like those are all the reasons why it does make sense yeah like because we can complement each other in these mm -hmm. areas but i think it's a very interesting thing when you have like a feminine and masculine it that's a good example of like it doesn't even matter because it's like if you're like fully in your feminine or fully in your masculine, it's more about like being conscious to what the reality of any given situation is yeah. and like accepting it for what it is and not trying to like resist or force something. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very like dating is just so interesting yeah, <laughs> when you kind of throw it, when you're like aware of all these different dynamics of like conscious, unconscious, masculine, feminine, like it's a, Kind of adds to the to the mix. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I was giggling, and I won't share this on the podcast. So sorry, audience. <laughs> but the path you've gone through in the past, let's say, four years, yeah, is like spot on. Really, <laughs> like, got there, so I'm like you're like dang. <laughs> you're talking about my story. <laughs> Fuck. So that we'll we'll circle back to that yeah, after, but for sure. Yeah, I think dating is so, has always been fascinating to me. You know, kind of growing up as a young man when I was like 16, I got very into like the pickup artist community. And I was yeah. like, I think it's maligned for good reason. And dating? Uh, like the pickup artist oh, community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. like maligned for some very good reasons. And also one of the things that served for me at that point in my life was just the realization that you could get better at dating and not right. in a manipulative way, but just like you can become more yourself, more able to be yourself mm -hmm. in a positive way. Right. And ever since then, I've just had this obsession with like relationship dynamics and like how people meet and just like what happens in those circumstances because it's, it's one of the areas of our lives that if most people are being honest with themselves, they would probably say they're the least fulfilled. They don't feel like they, either they have a partner, but they kind of know it's not the one, but they're kind of in this weird spot of like, well, it's the best I can do, so we'll just stay here. Right. Or they're, you know, actively dating, but feeling this real disconnect of like, okay, well, I feel like I have two options. Either be not myself, speaking from the male experience, be yeah. not myself to get laid. Mm -hmm. yep. But then eventually... She's like, wait, what the fuck? You said you were this and you're not that. Right, What's right. What's going on? 
or be totally myself and just start to realize and accept the fact that that's going to filter out a lot of fucking people yeah. all the time. And that's painful if you're not in that healed spot. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think the majority of our relationships as humans are um, space fillers, mm-hmm. like, or time fillers. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not conscious. And I think, especially when you're like, you know, until you hit your like Saturn return, you don't really like have any kind of conscious understanding of the fact that like, oh, the majority of my friendships are BS, you know, yeah. or like all of these partners or people that are in my phone or like, you know, all these options that I have, they are runners up for a reason. Right. Like you don't want anything to do with them. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like they're available, yeah. you know? Um, and so it's, uh, when you start to become conscious to that, yeah, I mean like life definitely does get quieter, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you also, like I said, your world becomes more internal. Yeah. So it's like, it's not a lonely feeling. Right. Um, I mean, there's definitely, like, times when you're, like, oh, like, human physical touch. Like, that would be really great. But it's, you also understand kind of, like, the cost-benefit of that. Mm-hmm. Like, to have just, like, casual sex, at least for me at this point in life, it's, like, completely not appealing. Right. You know, like, it just is, I know energetically it's going to take so much from me. Yeah. And so, and also, like... You know, and we could like have an even bigger conversation of just what happens spiritually when you have sex with someone or, you know, have sex on your period with someone or like all of those different things. But, um, you know, there's like a soul tie that's created. And when you just like keep compiling, like piling Mm -hmm. on partner after partner, it makes it very difficult to connect with yourself. It's like trauma, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, like. You're kind of, you end up energetically in just like survival mode, right. and so to to it's like yeah I might be like you know on a Thursday night like oh I wish I had someone to like cuddle with but it's like there's right what am I paying right yeah <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> yeah I heard it put one time and this really stuck with me is every sexual interaction between two people either it's a minus an equals or a plus mm. so when it's a minus you're losing energy. Mm -hmm. And this is by far the majority of sexual relationships that happen because both people are seeking something for themselves. So Mm -hmm. inherently they're taking. Yep. I'm going to take an orgasm. Yeah. Okay, I got that. Right. I've taken something from you. And especially for men who are in their not healed masculine, there's also that conqueror aspect. Look Mm -hmm. what I did now. Right. Equals is where neither of you are losing anything. And I would Mm -hmm. say of the three types, this is probably the most rare because this requires a certain level of, usually when people are at the point where it'd be an equal, then it would be a plus very quickly afterwards. So an equal is just like, I've kind of dealt with my own shit Mm -hmm. and I'm not seeking you for validation. I'm just looking to enjoy an experience with someone. So that'd be an equal. Like nobody's losing energy, but it's still not, it's not adding anything to your life. Right. And then you have pluses, which are, Typically, people only find this in a relationship. It can happen outside of a relationship, but typically mm-hmm. it's in a relationship where, how can I put this? It's a really good book by David Data, who also wrote The Way the Superior Man, called okay. Finding God Through Sex. Oh, wow. And 
that book is like mind-bending but one of the most beautiful concepts in there is that insects you are co-creating an energetic space in which you are both entering to commune with god however mm -hmm. you would like to frame that mm -hmm. and so it's not even about you or me it's about the space that's created yeah that you're entering into right and that's the nature of a true additive because if i'm having sex with someone and i'm giving them my energy mm -hmm. it's still pulling the energy from me so mm -hmm. that's where like if they're giving me their energy as well it could be that equals mm -hmm. but for it truly to be additive that extra energy has to come from someone. Mm. And so that's that concept of like for it to be a plus requires that extra piece of intimacy, which again is mostly experienced in relationships. I think not because it has to be, but because most people, myself included in this, are not able to have that type of communion with the divine, if you will, and not have some attachments formed because mm -hmm. it's like oh oh my god this is like oh this was sex of course which is amazing but right. also on top of that like i felt connected to right. source right oh shit totally and i think for it to be a plus it's uh both have to feel a level of safety mm -hmm. and i think when you're creating when you're intentionally creating safety from within like a sexual partnership that's let's say at the equals um i feel that you can't help but like you said form a bond right because it's like then you're conscious of like a, the other and like how you can you're serving mm -hmm. the other versus it just being kind of like a static and i also am curious about the um the equal sign because it's uh i feel like there's a time limit on that like yeah. it kind of teeters it's going to teeter either direction. 100%. Like, it's never going to just stay there infinitely. Correct. You know, because either somebody's going to want more mm -hmm. or somebody's going to want to leave. Like, or both. Yeah. But that state will have to end at some point. Absolutely. And so, yeah, the, the, the idea of, like, you know, hookups and things like that, I think if you're even wanting to do like the, if you're wanting to do like a casual, like, oh, you know, friends with benefit or something like that, there just has, like both parties have to be very conscious. Very conscious. <laughs> very conscious. And if you're both that conscious and sexually attracted to each other, I don't see it not yeah, then why aren't you trying it on? Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't see it not turning into a relationship. Um, yeah, I, it's a it's an interesting thing. Yeah, it's funny. It's Sexuality is probably the most complicated people piece of people's relationships that yeah. because of the way our culture is set up, nobody talks about. Mm -hmm. And so what I see so often is men who have unfulfilling sex lives not even necessarily because of anything their partner is or isn't doing but because they're so disconnected from their emotional inner landscape yeah and as a woman you can speak to this but my experience has been that women will be like like oh i felt your presence which is very different from just i felt 
you inside of me. Like I felt oh, us yeah. have sex. And I think many men don't realize that the very thing they fear the most, which is being in touch with their emotions and their inner world, mm -hmm. is the thing that actually provides the thing they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And so it drives a culture of then they go seeking yeah. the one night stand because they yeah. become convinced that it's just the wrong partner. And it, yeah. it may be the wrong partner, but right. this inner work has to be done first because you would never know if it was the right partner mm -hmm. because all sex would be like that. It doesn't matter if it's the perfect person for you. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it also contributes to cheating for guys a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's such an interesting conversation, like the specifically like the the conquest or like the, the hmm. seeking of female validation and the conquering of said validation hmm. and um, and then like being in relation, like men in relationships and then like kind of the immediate grass is greener vibe that a lot of guys have now, you know, like, I mean, that was like me and my ex, it was like, he was constantly like energetically in hmm. and out. Like, mm -hmm. even if we weren't, like, actually breaking up, he was just always unsure. Yeah. And for me, it was, like, I finally got to a point where I was just, like, this is, I'm so exhausted. Right. Like, I, it's just, like, I've been trying to maintain some semblance of anything normal for, like, two and a half years now. And you're, and then finally when I was done, he's, like, oh my gosh, like, you're the best thing in the world. I don't want to lose you. Like, I don't know what I'll ever do without you. And it's, uh, like, well, what the fuck? Like, the yeah. <laughs> where was all of this? Yeah, where was this? Yeah, and it's kind of that, um, it's a funny thing. I mean, and, you know, I feel like my ex is a very good example of just men in general right now. Very disconnected from his emotions. Very much wanting adventure but too scared to seek adventure so then creating interpersonal drama mm. specifically within relationships with women yeah. and um it's a coping mechanism yeah yeah and it's uh and then you know always like the push pull push pull push mm -hmm. pull and i think a lot of that happens when men are just like bored I mean, like, you don't have something greater than yourself that you're, like, building and, like, creating. That's exactly what I was going with. Yeah. It's <laughs> yes. So it's, like, you kind of, like, play God with, like, people in your lives, like, a chessboard, you know? And even if you're not, like, that smart, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. like, you're still always, like, there's manipulation happening. And, like, even if you're not conscious to it, like, that's kind of the, the, the energy in your life. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. To speak directly to the men who are listening to this. A woman is not your purpose. No. Nor does she want to be. No. And when she is, that is one of the most unsafe, and I've been, everything we speak about, I've been guilty of in the past mm -hmm. at some point in my life, but it is the single most unsafe arena for a woman to exist in in relationship is with a man who has made her his purpose. Mm -hmm. And people get drawn in because we have a culture of romanticism. 
-hmm. which is beautiful in some ways, but this mm -hmm. is one of the ways it's most negative. You can suddenly, as you're first in the beginning of the relationship and you're his purpose, you mm -hmm. feel, oh my God, wow, this right. is amazing. But right. very quickly you realize that, oh, that means, that means I'm holding the purpose. Yeah. And everything's at my decision or whim. And yeah. so for men, this is one of the things that the way the superior man gets most right, you have to figure your purpose out first. Because mm -hmm. if you are not at least on the path to that, you actually just aren't capable of being a fully embodied partner. Yeah. So you have no fucking idea where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it's kind of going back to that idea of like men don't want to feel needed. Like they need to find their purpose and they need to have that. And, and then kind of coming alongside a partner who also is fully embodied in their, their creation of self, like their continual reiteration of newness and creativity and abundance. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing when you kind of like put when you really like break it down and like give that full read on it, because I even see it with women. There's a lot of the, if he's not a hundred percent obsessed with me, like I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's, you're describing a puppy. That's a dog. Right, yeah. Like <laughs> you don't want a man that's just going to like follow you around and do everything. You will lose respect for him so fast. Immediately. Immediately. Like, a month in you'll be like, I, I just like, I really love him, but I don't ever want to have sex with him. Truly. It's like, <laughs> why is that happening? And then there's like, you know, I think when guys hear that, they're like, oh, well then I need to do this kind of like superficial game of like being emotionally distant. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have like men on either end of that spectrum. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, the, actually like the, the, the healed masculine is like within their purpose. Yeah. And like, there's not really, and it's the same for the healed feminine. Like, you know what your like purpose is yeah. like you know why you're here what you're intended to do and you don't try to like change or shift to blend with anybody else but like you kind of will then attract people to mm -hmm. you and enjoy those partnerships more because it's just kind of it's this really natural ebb and flow between mm -hmm. the two versus it needing to be always like i mean like the mind games are just so exhausting like it's a lot of energy to spend it's <laughs> all the time to maintain that shit it's just like don't you have better things to do like i like even just like the texting thing or like call hmm. like who's doing that and i'm just like so much of what i say to my clients is like what do you want like right. what do you want to do today just today yeah. let's stop thinking about what he's doing and what he's thinking about and what he's yeah. wanting and what do you want? Mm -hmm. And it's so often women change so much of themselves with mm -hmm. each new partner. And not that that's even negative. I think it's a, actually a really interesting part of like the, the journey of healing the feminine mm -hmm. because with each new person, there's new content yeah, <laughs> for like, for sure. you know, creation of like a new persona. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the foundation of that belongs somewhere else outside mm -hmm. of yourself versus it being this well of abundance within yeah. you that you 
I think women don't realize or feminine energy individuals don't realize like you actually don't need to create all this external drama mm. because like there's so much there's an unlimited resource of yeah. creation and abundance within you so it's like not even it's it's funny I I feel like people bypass um, what's already within us mm. by like creating content externally with partners <laughs> absolutely again coping like that some yeah. people will do anything to avoid claiming what is within them and it's really curious how people will how i have in the past i'm really trying to like claim speaking in i statements because i find it like helps people access better and say right. like so what you need to do is like so what i have done in the past is in each new relationship, your wounds brush up against each other in a unique way. Mm -hmm. And so you find new pain points. And the reaction can be to shirk away from those. Go, this isn't the relationship, this isn't the right thing. And like, lean into those. Mm -hmm. Give yourself the opportunity to work through those new pain points. Because like right. you said, you're in this new arena right. in a new relationship. So you get this new experience of this person who's going to trigger you in different ways right. but we have this negative connotation of triggering as only a bad thing like triggering is an opportunity for me to work on something that has arisen for me yes and one thing that really occurs to me about what a lot of men will do is because they will give themselves any possible way to avoid doing the work to discover their purpose. Mm -hmm. And the reason that for that that I've experienced in my own life is to get to your purpose, you have to go directly through your trauma, directly through your wounding. Yeah. And that's terrifying. The it's only way to is through. No. It's a huge <laughs> shadow sitting in the back of most men's mind. And yeah. we don't any longer have healthy community of men with men yeah. women i would say have it i don't want to say more but at least there's access to the idea that you would talk through what you're feeling with a right. friend most men don't have even like that just fucking right. baseline right and so we have no area in which to explore our wounding mm. and then we show up into a relationship and we find a woman who's nurturing and is willing to like hear our shit but it's not realizing that one of the fundamental stumbling blocks like i've experienced both ends of the spectrum i've experienced women who are like in the moment where i'm just like on the ground crying and i don't fucking believe i can do it and i think that just like there's no way i can possibly make this happen right. i'm a failure where they have just held me and been like i fucking believe in you right i know you are capable of this right and I've experienced the opposite of the spectrum where I'm in that same moment and the woman's like vicious, like, yeah, you're not doing enough. You need to do more. The difference between those two experiences is only the difference of in the first example, I knew where I'm going mm. in general. Mm -hmm. I know the direction I'm headed. So even if I feel fucking broken and defeated right now, the woman was able to hold me through that mm. because she was still going yeah, I mean, he's going to fall down. Right, And that's right. what a healthy relationship should serve versus right. in the other circumstance when it wasn't clear on my purpose. She's like, dude, what are we doing? That's so interesting. Yeah, because then she's in her masculine because you're like, 
woe is me. And it's and it's almost like I feel like that's when masculine and feminine kind of gets a little limiting because it's mm-hmm. like more that like when when like masculine partners or like males when they're when they don't know their purpose it's like they're not grounded like their footing is not in on you know firmly on the ground and so they kind of have this like airy essence about them and you know we all seek balance whether done consciously or subconsciously and you'll typically in that space attract a woman who's very like grounded and then there's going to be clashing if you're if you're kind of like if you meet in a time where you're not your fullest authentic self mm-hmm. or most healed self or even on that journey of consciousness um, you're going to resent each other because you're not where each individual wants to be and mm-hmm. it's not the dynamic of a relationship that you want or see for yourself so you're there's going to be friction there yeah. you know yeah the I'm going to give my 100th favorite metaphor of the podcast episode here. <laughs> yeah. So bear with me, everyone. I find metaphors are just an accessible way to remember totally. concepts. What an extreme, a woman who's in her healed feminine would like is a man who's deeply rooted. And that imagery that comes up is that of like an oak tree. And man is this yes. just like deep, like his roots go fucking deep. Yeah. Not shit's going to shake him. So that the woman can tie the string of her kite to the branch of the oak tree. Yes. And fly as high as she fucking wants. Yeah. And know that that presence is there, stable. Yes. It knows right where it is. Right. And you can't both be kites. Right. <laughs> Whether it's, you know, whichever way the feminine masculine energy flows in the relationship, you can't both be kites. Right. You also can't both be trees. Right. Because part of what the feminine serves in my relationships is like, going up into the fucking astral and like pulling things down right and like creating and truly right. bringing forth new life right in a multitude of ways right while i hold that energy that can be deeply rooted and present when right. i'm at my best right <laughs> yeah no i totally feel that that i love that metaphor of like the masculine as an oak tree i think it's it's one that i've used before and i mm-hmm. think it's just so accurate because it it embodies the the strength, but also the softness, you know, like, and the safety. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this idea. I think a lot of times men on that journey of like wanting to be masculine, they have more of a, you know, <laughs> rocky mountain vibe. Yeah, and sure. <laughs> what I need to be is mean yeah because then i'm being masculine exactly and it's and it's kind of like yeah i mean it's it's a very interesting thing i think it's good to kind of create personifications or like get ideas in your mind of like oh this person exemplifies what it means to be like masculine Hmm. like i'll have my clients do that like what who is like ultimate feminine and like why and then, like, how do we, um, like, how do we create patterns of behavior in you mm-hmm. that will make you kind of feel like you're on that vibration mm-hmm. and like embody more of that energy? Um, and I think it's you know men can do the same thing of just you know what what does that mean to you? Okay. Like my ultimate 
the ultimate picture of me for femininity is Sarah's booty. Like she's mm. just sitting on a lotus flower, like forearms mm. doing like everything, like playing music mm -hmm. and like she's like the the culmination of like creativity and art and music and you know abundance and um, beauty and sexuality and um, it's like anytime I'm kind of like feeling heavier mm. or like uninspired I always like remember that that's like my goalpost yeah you know yeah. yeah it's so helpful to have those blueprints because the blueprint allows you to not get stuck in the momentary secondary yeah just bullshit that happens yeah and gives you the thing you're aiming at and totally the oak tree for men one of the things to understand of that as a blueprint is that if a tree is growing on completely barren ground in a terrible environment it is not growing mm -hmm. and so incumbent upon men in that circumstance is like who's around you who are the other men in your life are they healthy Right. Or at least on the journey to healthiness. Right. They're your fucking nutrients in your dirt surrounding you. If that ecosystem's fucked up. I mean, good luck. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, I think, you know, m more women need to pay attention to, yeah, when you start seeing someone, you're, you're, you're seeing them, but you're like, take a look at their friends because that's who they go to for advice. Mm -hmm. That's who they're going to go to when yeah. shit's going sideways in your relationship. Mm -hmm. And they say, what should I do? Are they the type of guys that are like, oh, fucker, dude? Yeah. Or are they going to be like challenging him? Mm -hmm. She's be just being a bitch anyways. Like, yeah, you want the energy of the other guys in their life to be like, hey, man, I think that might have been you. Right. Does he have people in his life that will hold him accountable? Or mm -hmm. is he the type of person that runs from any accountability? Mm -hmm. Like, What's the relationship with the family? Like, you know, these are all things that, like, I feel... Because we are such a, like, individualistic society, mm -hmm. we don't really look at the the community of a person that we're dating. Yeah. It does play a very, very, very big role in it. Even uh, if they're, I, like, close to their family, which a lot of times we're like, oh, that's a positive. Mm -hmm. But is it? <laughs> What's the, like, unspoken rules of conduct? Yeah within this family structure, is that something that you want to play along with? Because that's, it will be something that you'll, it's a game you, you right. will have to play. You will enter it eventually. Yes. <laughs> is that like cool with you? Like, you know, all of these things we need to be more willing to look at. Yeah. I think a lot of times we, we find someone that's like, oh, they're like 65% of what I want. And I've been single for a couple of years, right. so... Let's try it out. Yeah. <laughs> See what and then, you know, you just end up back at square one. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I try not to use language like that because nothing... Everything's a learning experience. Absolutely. Everything's a gain. Um, and, you know, we'll kind of go around the same karmic lessons in mm -hmm. different forms until we kind of are like, have our aha moment. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's... There's definitely, like... A way to bring just be a little bit more realistic because mm. like you said we are just so such a romance yeah. based culture yeah. and yeah I think being a little bit more intentional about those decisions of the heart 
it could be beneficial. <laughs> yeah, it's what comes to me is it's that type of love. It's not love. It's enamorment. Mm. You're enamored mm. with the person in front of you, so you're not seeing reality. Yeah. And I'll give a thought, and I'd love to get into a conversation about red flags. And also green flags, because mm. I, I find often the red flags can be very negative valence, and there's both sides of it. There's green yeah. flags as well. You know, one thing I look for that's a red flag is if I'm seeing a woman and she goes, well, I don't really get along with other women. <laughs> All my friends are guys. No, yeah. this doesn't mean, like, don't have guy friends. It's right. not like a jealousy-oriented right. emotion. It's like, oh, you don't get along with other women at all? Oh, fuck. Okay. So if you're going to people for advice, who are you going to? Oh, your three best guy friends. Okay. The painful truth here is most guys, if it's an attractive woman who has things going for them, right. unless they're in their own perfectly healthy relationship, right. they're just waiting for their at bat. Right, right, right. They're like, where's my chance? Right. And so that's why it's a red flag for me of like, oh, okay, so you're going to be getting advice from only people who do not necessarily have your best interest at heart. They have a secret contract. They might just want to tell you what you want yeah, to hear exactly. or tell you um, a version of truth that might benefit them. Exactly. Yeah. Green flag for me is when I see someone who has friends who... This is a very nuanced green flag, but I'll try to make it make sense. When I see a woman who has friends who, what she reports back to me, especially in the early stages, is like, God, so-and-so was being so fucking rude to me. They shared this, this, and this, and it was just really painful to receive. And the nuance here is not that that happens all the time, but that shows me they have a friend that's willing to, like, stand up to them and be a real friend mm. and call them out on their shit. Yeah. Which for me to receive as a man is like, oh, fuck yeah. That's like, you have a support system built in to your life, which means I don't have to be the only one yeah. going, yeah, was that the right decision? Right. So that's a green flag for me. Now, I love that. Of course, that could be way off the end of the spectrum. If 20 conversations out of 20 about my friends are fucking terrible, <laughs> right. then it's a red flag. <laughs> right. Like, what What are you doing why wrong? Do you, why are you yeah. around them? <laughs> They sound Why do they always have horrible feedback? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, gosh, there's so many different, like, red and green flags. It's like... For me, uh, you know, love bombing is a huge mm -hmm. red flag. Uh, it used to be something that I'd get, like, really happy and excited about. Uh, and, you know... I've just been down that road too many times. So, like, you know, I think even guys that, like, probably are good guys and not, like, narcissists or anything mm. like that. But, like, if they're just too... Like, I went on a date with a guy last week. And on the date, he joked, like, oh, let's go to Japan next week. Mm. And I was just like, damn it, it's not going to work. Like, <laughs> I was just like... And then, you know, he invited me to a wedding, like, mm. three days later. Mm. And I was just like... That's just, I can't do that, you know, because it's like, I already, like, that would, would have been so cool or flattering or whatever mm -hmm. to me five years ago right. or however long. And I just now I'm like, I just kind of know 
how that story goes. Um, Can you unpack that term a little bit too? Just love bombing as oh, a general yeah. concept. Yeah, I mean, love bombing. It's. I mean, it, it's it's kind of this like catchphrase right now that people are using uh, more specifically when they're referring to like a narcissistic person or someone right. with narcissistic tendencies um, that on the onset of a relationship they will there's a period of adoration where you kind of put the other person on a pedestal and everything they do is perfection and you just want to serve them and like it's um, depending on the type of individual that's doing it and where they fall in the spectrum of narcissism or insecurity or whatever mm. um, or projection or whatever uh, they it can kind of look different so but uh, uh, classically it looks like you know a lot of a lot of attention mm. gifts dinners uh, compliments um, and it typically shifts fairly quickly mm. out of that stage into it's it's quick but it's slow so it's mm. like kind of the either the removal of those things mm. or keeping those things in place while also like adding in insults and like subtle digs mm. slowly so then it's kind of like what happens then is um there's kind of like an isolation mm. that has taken place for the, the the partner which is typically like the feminine energy partner mm. where they um they've kind of emotionally made their entire world. This person mm -hmm. who once was all about them and then they're kind of like bewildered and always wondering like what happened? Like yeah. where, where, you're, you're in a state of like confusion for so long, which could be like three to six months or however long that it, and unless you like leave it, you're going to experience like something very negative. Mm. <laughs> this is so, like interesting to me and we'll circle back to the green flags and red flags yeah. in a second i would say the way i've experienced it in my life as the love bomber at various different right, points right. as someone who has self-identified narcissistic tendencies within myself right and identified some of where those came from growing up just around like my parents would never really let me fail at anything. Mm. I was always like, we're going to support you fully. We're going to make sure that it's okay. Instead right. Of created this sense of like perfection. Right. And what's been interesting and sort of what I've unpacked for myself is like the reason for that love bombing is I'm, I, how can I put this? I need myself to be perfect. Mm. So how could I have anything except for the perfect partner in front of me? Right, right. And first of all, it's a lot of fucking pressure. Right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and in a true, like, someone who's, like, all the way on the end of the narcissist spectrum, there wouldn't even be a question of, like, am I perfect? It would just right. be, like... Totally. I and I mean, perfect. everybody's on the spectrum of narcissism, yeah. you know, so... Which is yeah. an important thing to acknowledge, because, you know, people think about a lot of these psychological terms that become pop culture, and they get just, like, it's black or white, like, and I it's was like, dating a narcissist. Specifically, like, narcissism is very much demonized. Yeah. Um, you know, there are people that are, like, full-fledged narcissistic. They have, like, narcissistic personality disorder, right. which is very similar to, like, sociopathic. or exactly. um, Where you're, there's just no ability to feel empathy. Yeah. 
Um, but everybody's on the spectrum of narcissism and we kind of like tick up or down depending yeah. on like where we're at in life um, and who we're engaging with and all of those different things, but yeah. Absolutely, and what wounds we have or haven't worked through. That's totally. the interesting thing for me is the more I unpack childhood shit, I'm like, oh, okay, once I got rid of this, this, and this, oh, I really do care about the person in front of me, but if I really care about them, then it's not gonna be that love bombing. So right. this is just an aside, but I think it's helpful for people to have the concept in their head that that spectrum of narcissism, it's really important to notice when you are trending you know, on an upswing of it and to identify where that's coming from for you because it's always serving yeah. some protector. Totally, yeah. So back to green flags, red flags. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, red flags for me are like, you know, the love bombing, but then another red flag for me is the other end of the spectrum mm -hmm. where um, partners or potential partners with, withhold. Mm -hmm. So it's the um, kind of inverse of the love bombing. And, I, and that's kind of like what I run into most commonly in, you know, starting dating again after mm -hmm. my last relationship. Um, guys are either like, oh my gosh, you're the most amazing thing in the world. Or they're like, Oh, you probably get told that all the time. Yeah. And then just like zero. No affection. Like, <laughs> I won't tell you you're beautiful. I mm. won't text you first. Like, I won't do, like, I won't make plans. And so it's like, there has, like, is there a middle ground? Right. Like, <laughs> Anyone, please, yeah. Please. <laughs> um, so, yeah, both of those are red flags for me. Um, green flags, honestly, it's like anytime someone is just their authentic self. And I feel like I can read it pretty well. Um, I think when, you know, I mean, there's just so many different little things. If someone knows, I try to not like, I mean, I was going to be like, oh, if someone knows their attachment style or if they're mm -hmm. like, you know, kind of well-versed on these things. But I've also run into so many guys that are like spiritual, <laughs> the, the yogi, you know, the yogi My. teacher. And then they kind of like grope you while they're like putting you into position. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Or like the male feminist. Yeah, okay, um, but you also like use that to get into girls' pants, you know? It's, so it's like, I try to steer clear of it being like, oh, when he blah, 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 it is great. Um, you know, there's things that like, I'm naturally more attracted to in potential partners. And then within those partners, I think it's more for me just like, are they who they are around everybody? Yeah. Like, the consistency is, like, that's the biggest thing. Because, like, I, mm -hmm. the guy that I dated after my ex, mm -hmm. there were, we were around different groups of people, and I was, like, you're very different mm -hmm. around both of these groups. Mm -hmm. Also, there, like, if you're ever, like, one time he, like, clarified, like, oh, they're not, like, my, like, real friends or, really? like, close friends. And I was just like, that's so, what a weird thing to say. Why are you around them? Why are we even here? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it kind of showed that I don't like it when people like qualify or tier their friendships. Mm -hmm. I'm like, they're either like a value add or they're not in my life. You know what I'm like? Absolutely. I don't really like do the whole, um, this is my best friend and this is my best friend from like junior high. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that's, that's, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, I think like green flag for me is just like consistency, like knowing that you are who you say you are, wherever you are. Um, and honestly, that takes time to get to know, you know, because people, you don't really have access to someone that you're just dating. You, your only point of reference for them is what they tell you they are. And so it can kind of take a little bit longer. And that's why it's good for women to be like, like try to connect with your intuition mm -hmm. as much as you can, you know, which means not dating as much, yeah. you know, <laughs> like ridding yourself of the noise a little bit. Yeah. It's yeah. Like the consistency piece is so important and that's, it's a signal for is the person honest with themselves mm -hmm. and by proxy will they be honest with you yeah and something i've fallen victim to myself as the hammer not the nail in this situation is really being in that enamorment phase and wanting someone to like me and so like hold withholding when something bothers me or they'll ask me to do something mm -hmm. and I'm, I don't want to do it. Right. It's like, okay, yeah, I got you. And one really good way to watch early on for everyone in any partner is do they do the thing they said they're going to do? Yes. Like, I'm going to call you at 5 p.m. Right. Okay, is that call at 5 p.m.? Yeah. And if it's at 5.01, like, don't be fucking terrible about the fact that it was 501, but do they at least acknowledge like, hey, I said I was gonna call you at five. It's 504. I'm sorry that it took me four extra minutes to call you. Right. Not in a way that like, I need you to love me. I'm so sorry. Right, but right, like, right. genuinely like, here's what happened. I'm acknowledging it. Right. I was out of alignment with what my integrity was supposed to be. Right. And it's a really easy way to screen early on. I've been guilty of the past because when someone's not being honest with themselves, what'll happen is they'll make commitments but then they won't keep them because they weren't honest with themselves in the first place. Yeah. But what they wanted or didn't want. Also, beware of partners that won't commit to anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because then they ha always have an out. Yep. Oh, I well, didn't I never say, it was say that. Be that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think a lot of times that can be like the the chill guy vibe, you know, like, oh, I'm just chilling, yeah, we'll you know, what like, whatever, like, I don't know, like, it's, and I yeah. think a lot of times, um, women can be, like, attracted to that because it feels very free, mm -hmm. um, but then you realize either quickly or slowly that it's actually, um, it's quite manipulative in the fact that, like, they're not providing any sense of, mm -hmm grounding energy at all um and and they almost like you know male partners like that can kind of like create there's a lot of like inversion that takes mm -hmm. place in terms of like putting the blame back on you for even having like any expectation of anything well, it's like the manipulation is so interesting because it's happening on both ends so the man is manipulating by just not committing to anything and then the woman in that circumstance is manipulating in the sense that her ideal outcome, back to the taming thing, is if he really loved me and was very invested in me, I would be so lovable. Yes. 
And totally. Again, that goes in all different directions. Why guys go after girls that like are not interested in them, and they just continue going after them. It's like yeah. it's that idea. Like, well, if I got her, yeah, that means I'm such a badass, right? Totally. Yeah, and I think that's true for both. You know, mm-hmm. like I think there's definitely a the, a reality, or you know, I think even in your healing journey where you're like, oh, they're not like into me. I think you're able to observe it more. Yeah versus it like being something that triggers you and then like drives your actions but um yeah i mean i think as humans kind of going back to like back to the basics of like we all want to be needed and and wanted and feel valued and a lot of how we get that validation is through how other people perceive us in relationship or want us in relationship yeah. yeah, it's that slow process for every individual of, I like the two words you use there, needed versus valued. Right. What I deeply want is to be valued for who I truly am. Yeah. What the shadow self has expressed itself as at many points in my life is wanting to be needed for the mask I'm putting on to attain the love. Yeah. I think... We all do that to different extents. One of my biggest green flags of all time is when someone, as like a general practice of how they act, has a tendency to always, to often acknowledge both sides. Yes. That's like my ultimate green flag because it's both like, okay, so... Let's just take a boss example. My boss is being a shithead at work. And also, I've been in this circumstance for, like, it can even be very empowering. And also, I've allowed this to happen for way too long. Right. So, like, I'm very frustrated right now. But this is something I've allowed. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit, okay. You're owning that. Which means then in relationship, I know that you'll own your part. Yes. Which is, like... Oh my goodness. The best thing that ever happened. <laughs> yes. I And I wish I had known that sooner, you know, like had that concept when I was younger, because I think a lot of times you, uh, like I'm a recovering codependent, you know? Mm-hmm. So like a lot of times I would see a partner that was in um, such turmoil mm-hmm. in their life and everything was everybody else's fault. And I was like, oh my gosh, what an amazing project. Like, <laughs> that was my chance. I can help you and you can see what an amazing person I am by mm-hmm. all this help mm-hmm. and I'll be such a value add. Um, and then, but you don't realize that that is how they just view everything in their yeah. life. Nothing is their fault. Everything is everybody else's fault. So even if you come in with a fine tooth, tooth comb and like clean all of this shit up, you're still going to be at fault. Right. They'll just turn all of that onto you. Do you want to be um, a martyr for someone yeah. who is eventually going to blame you for their problem? Truly. Yeah, and I, I think it's like, you know, when you hear, I mean, for me, I have, like, a lot of, like, red flags and green flags in, like, friendships. So, mm-hmm. like, specifically with women, it's like, if they gossip or if they tell me their life story mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, venting is one thing, like, yeah. after a while of an established friendship, mm-hmm. but it's... Are you talking about things bigger than yourself? Or is it just about this little drama in mm-hmm. your world? Because it shows me like 
where your mindset is in terms of like what you want to create for yourself like how big or small is your world energetically and i think it's you know it's it applies to everyone but i think those kinds of things are just a little bit more obvious for like women specifically Mm -hmm. because i think it's a um it's such a part of female culture to Mm -hmm. like talk shit on other women gossip it's uh you know and it kind of goes back to like it was the exchanging of information you know it was a part of like a survival um but it's also now well we don't really need that in the same way and like our worlds aren't as small as they once were (laughs) and so like how do we kind of like it's just something that i use as a gauge to like be like Mm -hmm. okay well but it's also true for romantic partners as well yeah it's it's like uh pat myself on the back here <laughs> I have trouble like typically giving myself compliments yeah. But, yeah sometimes I like to try and intentionally do it one of the things I've had a really good handle on from a young age was that drama in the personal life is probably I don't want to say the number one coping mechanism but one of the highest coping mechanisms that's unacknowledged by society Mm. and most people choose that because they're so fearful of their purpose and the best way to spill energy away from your purpose is to be in drama all the time all the time so if a person listening to this is that person is like well I just all my friends are always doing all of this it's like okay so it's not that you have to snap a finger and drop them but what part of you has co-participated in that energy over time and not slowly taken steps away and Mm -hmm. wanted to go towards your thing? And Why are you allowing your energy to be bled out? The tale of the codependent. (laughs) It really is like, uh, I think, you know, it's funny for me, I had to realize like, oh, I keep saying that I'm like the emotionally available one and I just keep attracting Mm -hmm. these emotionally unavailable partners. And then I was like, oh, shit, I'm not emotionally available because I want to be perceived in a certain way. So in order for that to take place, I have to be around people that will only see me to the extent at which I want them to see me. Which means I have to be around people that can't see fully, you know. And it's a very, it's an interesting thing because then you you kind of get in this place where you resent your partner then for not fully seeing you for mm-hmm. who you are, but that's the entire reason that you chose them right. because you didn't really want to be seen. Yeah, it's yeah. your, uh, a visual I really like is, it's your inner child reaching up through you and mm. using you as its puppet to create circumstances in which it won't have to be seen. Mm. And the reason that happens can be various from everyone's own individual wounding. But again, back to that thing you said, like whatever you notice, this is as I walk people through relationship coaching, the biggest thing, the biggest gift I can give them is look at your past relationships. Mm -hmm. Even if they're only short, like even if it was a one night stand, just look at all the ones and tell me what the patterns are. And if there is any pattern, you're calling that in. Oh my gosh. You're participating. Oh my gosh. I just did this. I was laying in bed the other day. This was, well, I guess it was probably like a month ago. Mm. And I haven't talked to anyone about this. And I'm like, I don't even really know what it means yet. Mm. But I was like, every single guy that I've ever dated or had a fling with or anything has 
had significant mommy issues, mm. but not even quote unquote negative, mm. but it's been a strained relationship or there's been health problems or mm. there has been the mother has died mm. or like, the, but there's like a, a, an intense abandonment. Even if the mother is there, emotionally, there was something very significant. Mm. And for me, I didn't know my dad until I was 24. We didn't meet. And um, so it's it was like, that's so interesting. Mm. But <laughs> and I'd be curious to know, you know, for my partners, like what if they kind of end up with women yeah. that are in that same space there's some sort of father trauma mm. you know but um mm. yeah i mean i had always viewed it as oh i attract men that are or i'm attracted to men that are emotionally unavailable like my father was mm. emotionally absent but then i didn't it, it's so funny that it was literally like a month ago that i was like oh my gosh they all had stuff with their mom like significant like wow that's crazy um yeah so it's it's something that i'm like still it's like unpacking but oh like that is wild yeah it's the like simultaneous excitement and fuck. <laughs> that's on me like yes like, I that see is so there, fully there's a pattern <laughs> there's like a very clear pattern here. i've done it i've, I've decoded it also but also, like, what does this me. mean? Yeah, yeah. It's... Back, back to that, like, your souls are giving each other a handshake. Yeah. Above you and going, you've got this hole, I got this hole. Here we go. Let's cut a deal here. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. I don't want to say soul there, but, like, some part of your wounding is above each other. And your two, your two woundings are interacting and finding this co-resonance where just a certain like a couple piece. of sims yeah exactly like <laughs> the little diamond above yeah. the head just like vibrates here's my wound yeah, yeah my yeah. gemstone vibrates with your gemstone okay cool <laughs> we're fucking good totally yes we're on the right track yeah <laughs> yeah it's so important to do after a relationship of any type to just do a debrief yeah what worked what didn't work right how did I participate? Like, that's maybe one of the most important questions. How did I participate? And even if, and this is like one of the things I think is the most difficult for people to hear. Um, trying to decide how deep I want to go on this. Fuck it, we'll go fully deep. I've shared this on the podcast before, so it's not a new revelation. Yeah. But like, I've been sexually assaulted before. Mm, and in that, an integral piece of the healing was the acknowledgement of where I allowed that to happen and mm. not in a it's my fault way like mm -hmm. this is where this conversation gets so prickly is not in a it's my fault way but what your psyche wants to know is how is this going to not happen again mm -hmm. and so a piece of my process was the acknowledgement of like okay well i did this this and this you know in my case like i went out to a bar with my friends and they wanted to go home and I wanted to stay out to meet girls. And I was not in my like fully conscious energy of like positive mindset. Like, right. oh, I genuinely want to stay out on my own just because that's what feels good to me, but rather this like lack of needing. So that drove me into a shadow mode that was like not conscious, not right. in that way. Got roofied, 
oh shit, okay, well, that probably, wow. if I'd been fully in myself, wouldn't have happened. And even in the most extreme circumstances, I think it's our life. And so it becomes our responsibility the moment it happens. It doesn't mean it's our fault. Right. It's our responsibility. And the same thing carries over to our relationships. Right. Like, when you see these patterns that have happened once, twice, three times, the minute the pattern is over, even if it's the most abusive, toxic, terrible relationship where you can genuinely say, like, look, I showed up and tried to love them and I didn't do anything wrong, per se. I wasn't a bad person towards them. We have to claim that responsibility and go, but I fucking let this happen. Yes. I chose not to leave. I chose to stay in. Right. And don't beat yourself up over that, but then go, okay, what were those red flags that next time I make this decision, I won't just repeat that cycle yeah. and do it again. Yeah, I mean, personal responsibility is the key to happiness, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, it is the thing. And I think, you know, being able to accurately understand that mm-hmm. is vital. You know, without shaming yourself, mm-hmm. you know, going off the deep end and without being in denial, but like being able to like accurately understand a situation and how you contributed to and engaged in that situation, I think is so, it's like the thing for being able to shift. Mm-hmm. You ha- There first has to be an acknowledgement mm-hmm. or a, a it's like there has to be a point of consciousness yeah. that's at some point because every point of revelation is just a point of consciousness mm. oh shit wait here's that pattern <laughs> oh, fuck. that's crazy i didn't even know that was a thing okay cool now i can't not see the world the same or now i can't the world will never be the same yeah. you know like my perception of reality has shifted mm-hmm. and um and then kind of like just expanding upon that you know like the way in which it shifts is just our ability to understand. The way it shifts in a positive way is our ability to take ownership and understand our contribution to those points Mm -hmm. versus going into like a victim mindset. Oh, so much of this has happened and this is my pattern and I'm, you know, such a piece of shit or like, oh, woe is me. Um, And, you know, not that that's like fully negative. I think some people, I think we all kind of go through those phases and it's a part of the grieving process, yeah, you know? Um, but kind of understanding, okay, cool. Energetically, it's time to shift out mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me of, you know, your earlier story about sort of walking away from like full on Christianity as you had previously understood it. And at these watershed moments where we have those awarenesses come in, we have a couple of options. And most people, I, would, I feel safe in saying most people, choose in those moments to give away their power. Yeah. And to go, wow. Yeah. Life is happening to me. Not for me. This is fucked up. Right, but This right. is just the way the world is. Right. And this is why the texture of realizing a pattern like you did with, the mother woundings Mm -hmm. has both that experience of excitement and also oh shit because simultaneously experiencing oh fuck i have like almost like a guilt like i've participated in this 
but also going, but the fact that I'm aware of this means I have an opportunity to take control of my life. Yes. And to have that responsibility. And that's like when people understand responsibility of self, it's consciously choosing that your life is something that you have agency over. Yes. And if you want to choose the other narrative that you have no control over your life, all right, good luck. But that's, that's also not going to go great. <laughs> it's also a co-creation, yeah. you know, like whether you want to acknowledge that you can create your own reality or co-create your own reality, or you don't want to acknowledge that you're always co-creating your reality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah even a, to the person who is like not yet willing to step fully out of the victim mindset. Something I'll often say is like, let's just try on this other way of being. Right. Like if you made decisions as if you could influence your life first two months and just run the experiment. Let's see what happens. Because right. we know the other one's making you unhappy. Right. So we can at least try this. Right. And just tell me the data afterwards. Like I want to know it. Yeah, so, yeah. Totally. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> if I could gift people a pill, it would just be that. Like, the non-victim mentality pill. Yeah, here's your co-creation pill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so maybe as a last topic for us to touch on, um, what do you? What is the thing right now that you are? I don't even want to say struggling with, but what is the thing that's most present for you? That is the thing that you've self-identified. Like, here's actually here's a better way to put it. Here's my growth area here's my oh, edge it's like everything <laughs> um i mean you know being an entrepreneur is such an interesting experience because it's like a hyperloop mm. your growth because it's like especially if you're spiritual you understand that love is money and energy and it's all like connected and so like kind of as you begin building something that's bigger than yourself and then you know the financial like milestones that come with that you realize your own mental emotional and spiritual blockages mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean for me it's i think right now I mean, I'm so singularly focused mm. on creating this business and, you know, creating generational wealth and helping women through my business um, that I think probably my biggest thing is like, like I was saying at the beginning, trying to have fun or like mm -hmm. reminding myself to play mm -hmm. um, because it's so much about work and the progress and um, wanting to grow and wanting to be and so intentional. And um, I think, you know, like I said before, I can kind of like get very rigid around mm -hmm. those things. Um, so, so yeah, that it's, but it's in this really interesting place because I'm like, I don't really like feel safety to like play mm. because I don't have this fully established yet. Mm. So I'm like kind of in this place where I'm like energetically, I feel like I'm very constricted mm. in a way. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, even though there's a lot of growth happening and good things, I do feel like that's the the sore spot for me right now. Um, and yeah, trying to find like out, like what does that mean? What does it look like? In kind of like a more, a, a, a bigger picture way than just like, oh, I'm going to go get a massage today. Or right. like, you know, I'll go to yoga. Like, what does it mean to like kind of incorporate a playful nature mm. while also building something that I am really super stoked on? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. kind of, that's kind of it. So it's like everything. Yeah. It's <laughs> a perfect one. <laughs> Two things come to mind. Mentor of mine, Dr. Dan Engel he references this study that was done that showed that when people are playing, they learn four times faster yeah. than when they're not playing. Right. And that is always just endlessly, like I always just, as soon as I heard that study and read it, I just like, okay, cool. I'm just going to pillar that in my yeah. mind to just remember because I get in the same, like, well, it's time to be work, time to be serious, time to get shit done. <laughs> Seriously. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so true. And... There can be real fear in me, at least, around play because there's a fear that I'm being childish or that I'm not seeing the terrain for what it actually is. Right. And I think we all have had moments in our life where we've been in sort of avoidance and telling ourselves we're just, I'm just playing, I'm just enjoying myself. Right, right. So I've really started to try and embody active choices to play, whether that's like learning guitar or just fucking dancing around yeah. or listening to my favorite music. And yeah. These things allow me access points. Or like recently it's been just art and painting. Like I want to create stuff. I want to right. make stuff. Right. And what's been so interesting to me is how as I allow myself that, it's both a pressure release valve for all the other areas of my life where I'm building tension and also a supercharger to those other areas because it gives me the malleable brain state. Like if you think about a child. Yeah. A child is just, con they're taking in every bit of information. That's right. why they're having like fucking imaginary friends and like right. a single blade of grass is the most exciting thing to ever right. happen to them. Totally. And that energy gives us a lot of ability to see the entire field in front of us and actually gives us this refreshed, joyful energy. Yeah. That when we bring that energy into our entrepreneurial endeavors, like people fucking feel it and yeah. they're so desperate for it. Totally. So that's like my reminder to myself that I love that. To play allows me to do I that. like I like might go get some paint today. Yeah. <laughs> like I need something that's been like my favorite one recently I have to watch myself because I do like whether I'm mildly ADHD or whatever people throw that term around a lot but like I actually have it in members of my family so right, a right. real suspicion that could yeah, be yeah, the yeah, case yeah yeah totally I'll, I'll hyper focus and just yeah. like paint for eight hours <laughs> and be like should I have painted for eight hours today <laughs> That's literally me with anything. I'm like, if I start something new, and I think that's why I kind of get like apprehensive of like mm -hmm. starting new things. Because if I start it, I need to do it until I like completely know that I can do it a thousand percent. And then I 
I am done with it. <laughs> Literally, like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. This wood carving here was like two days in a row. Did you do this? Yeah. Six, I love that. Thank you. But you're like, that's hours, all you did. <laughs> two days in a row. <laughs> Because I could not possibly not have it done. Once I had seen the image in my mind of what needed to be brought into the earth, I was like, this has to happen. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I'm completely the same way. Yeah, I have like s sneaking suspicions that I'm ADHD too. I, I mean, just kind of like little things that I did like growing up. Like I would t turn all of my socks inside out and pick out every piece of lint and then my sock line mm -hmm. had to be like perfectly Perfect on the same right. on each foot like across my toes mm -hmm. and <laughs> just like little things like that oh. where you're like so hyper focused on like minutia and then like don't care about an exceptional amount of things until you really care about something yeah. and then it's your entire life yeah <laughs> this has been like my single biggest thing to learn in business like it's a superpower that I am able to hyperfocus like that. Yes. Because I am able to create things that have a depth to them mm -hmm. that I don't think many people are able to touch. Yeah. But also, did I respond to all those emails? <laughs> <laughs> like. And that's when it's good to like know what you should delegate. Mm -hmm. Like that's been my biggest thing is um, we just brought on a, um, a head of business development and she is incredible she's a virgo through and through like incredible does all of the shit that i don't want to do <laughs> i'm like i just want to stay in the creative headspace and um and i don't and you know i when i was working in tech i was executive assistant and project management and managing so i can live in the details yeah. like i'm very comfortable there but i also understand that like I will spend eight hours hmm. organizing emails yeah. and I don't need to do that. <laughs> no, exactly. I didn't respond to any of yeah. them, but I have a folder system now and it's fucking great. You should see it. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Even back when I was a general manager at the manufacturing company, like I would just build these systems that were like, I was like yeah. impressed myself. I'm like, damn, you fucking nailed that. Look at that shit. Meanwhile, there's like an employee knocking on the door like, hey, Alex, yeah, uh, can we machine A broke. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I just learned how to do coding in Excel. <laughs> and you don't understand how much time this is going to save me. <laughs> it's going to save a lot. Oh, my gosh. It's just so relatable. I, can, I feel it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, awesome. I think we can wrap here. Um, where can people find you and... Is there anything else you want people to know? Oh, um, uh, so everybody can find me at creative.gen. That's my handle on Instagram, uh, TikTok, and I think there's a, no, I think it's just Instagram and TikTok. Um, so that's at K-R-E-A-T-I-V, no, no E at the end of creative, mm -hmm. dot, dot gen, J-E-N. Um, and yeah, I, we're starting a, a YouTube channel soon. Um, we're also starting a podcast soon. Um, very excited about that. Not really sure when the launch of that is going to be. Um, and yeah, my company is called Creative Collective. Um, spelling is the same. 
dot collective spelled just like collective with an e at the end um yeah so i think um you know what do i want people to know i guess you know just accept where you are accept what is i think that's like gonna be the quickest way to to any kind of progress or shift that is going that you're wanting to accomplish just mm. accept accept where you are beautiful yeah. well, thank you so much for being thank on. you i'm so appreciate you having me yeah absolutely all yeah. right Well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Again, it's one of my favorite ones I've ever recorded. Doing it in person really adds a special dimension to it because you get the vibe in the room rather than over Zoom. So if you did enjoy this episode, please consider giving the podcast your precious, precious subscription and a review if you feel so called. It really, really helps grow the show. Share this episode out with a friend. You know, maybe you know that person, that woman or man who could use a little deeper understanding of the masculine and feminine dynamics, both within themselves and within relationship. If you do know that person, send them this episode. It's a nice way to kind of, you know, nudge them along the path without having to tell them what you learned. And you can always go find me on Instagram at Alexander Diesel. And of course, my website, as always, is www.throughtheveil.co. You can find all of Jen's info in the show notes, both for her work with Creative Collective as well as her Instagram profile. The links will be in the description of the show. So go find her there. Give her a follow. She's a super, super great person to just like have in your instagram feed because she pops up and like oh wow that's wisdom amazing add that to my arsenal of things that i know so highly recommend following her and once again thank you for being a listener thank you for tuning into the show giving some of your time spending some of the time from your precious day with us as we navigate through these topics and much love i'll talk to you soon